Good afternoon. This is the weekly wrap for Friday, September 22nd. Well, prices for the week for corn were down three cents. For soybeans, down 44 cents. Kansas City and Chicago wheat were down 25 cents. And cotton down just a half a penny. Managed money were very aggressive sellers of the complex overall. They sold 10,000 contracts of corn, putting their short now at 144,000 contracts, which is a large short for this time of year. Uh, for soybeans, they sold 27,000 contracts for the week. That would explain the magnitude of this move, and we'll go into it a little bit later as to why. But now the funds are only long 45,000 contracts of soybeans. Heavy sellers again of wheat sold 14,000 contracts, now putting them short 124,000 contracts of wheat, and a modest selling of just uh, 250 uh, bales of cotton, uh, putting them long still 46,000 contracts of cotton. The weather this week was uh, changed from uh, the really hot and dry spell to a cooler, wetter pattern. We are getting some rain now in the upper Midwest, which is welcomed for this time of year, uh, especially considering how low the Mississippi River is and how detrimental that has been to soybean bids for fall. Um, It may not be enough rain to completely replenish it, but at least the pattern has been changed to a cooler, wetter pattern. Uh, This rain will not help any crops or any crop development. In fact, it'll be more of a nuisance at this point. Uh, So yields are basically set across the United States. We do have a tropical storm working its way onto the East Coast, where the coastal areas of North Carolina and Virginia will get hit with a tropical storm. It's expected to bring two to six inches of rain, depending on uh, where, where it lands, and then somewhere between 40 and 50 mile an hour winds. The crop is uh, about 25% open in those areas. A number of farmers, the cotton crop that is, a number of farmers had uh, intended on defoliating and getting going, but this will certainly throw them behind. The yields overall in that area are already down 10 to 20% year over year, and this is certainly not going to help the situation at all. So we'll keep an eye on that development uh, over the weekend. For Brazil, it remains hot and dry. For the next seven days, they are trying to plant soybeans, but um, due to the record heat and dryness, uh, some of that has been delayed. That's expected to last another week, pushing them a little bit behind. There is some rain expected in the 10 to 14 day forecast, which would help aid in the uh, planting progress. Brazil ideally likes to get their crop completely planted by the end of October. Uh, So we'll keep an eye on that progress. So far, not off to a particularly good start. Remember last week we had the USDA report that came in pretty neutral for corn, maybe a touch bearish versus expectations. We came in with a pretty bullish bean report because they lowered the yield uh, and then had to do some demand rationing to maintain that pipeline carryout on soybeans. It was uh, neutral U.S. wheat, but pretty bullish global wheat, as now global inventories are sitting at 10 to 12-year low levels, stocks-to-use ratio. And it was pretty bullish cotton. We lost about a million bales of production, and almost all of that got offset with a combination of demand destruction and a find in old crop carryout. So at 3 million bales, our, our inventories remain at pipeline levels. For the Russian, uh, for the macro picture, starting with the Russian-Ukraine war, 
that continues to grind on with both attacking each other's infrastructure now a little bit more in earnest back and forth. The U.S. is going to send another $325 million of aid to Ukraine. That will include some long-range missiles, which may uh, allow them, which will allow them to strike deeper into Russian territory. Uh, that will only provide further escalation of the war. Uh, Canada has committed $650 million over the next several years, uh, providing more financial and military aid as well. Uh, so far, year-to-date, the U.S. has committed $110 billion to Ukraine to help them defend themselves against Russia. Uh, Russia announced a cut in diesel and gas exports this week. It was down 30% last week, uh, and then it was a complete cutoff uh, this week. Uh, fuel prices have exploded in Russia, and they want to bring those prices down. Uh, they probably won't be able to do it for very long. Uh, many in the market believe it'll only last about a week or two. But the reality is diesel prices in Europe did respond and make new highs uh, for the last year now, uh, highlighting the vulnerability of Europe still on Russian uh, finished fuel supplies. Russia also announced uh, additional cuts on their exports of crude oil of 300,000 barrels per day. Uh, adding, again, more fuel to the idea that OPEC is now in full control of the market uh, with so small incremental cuts in supply or maintaining these supply cuts in the fourth quarter is going to lead to some severe uh, tightening of that balance sheet. Uh, China's economic growth, uh, that second macro picture we're watching, continues to disappoint. Uh, some more stimulus being announced uh, although oil demand has rebounded and is now setting records, uh, record levels now uh, for Chinese oil demand. So that has helped uh, with the oil prices as well uh, as uh, they, they are back on track running, but it hasn't shown and flown through uh, their economic data particularly well yet. Uh, the big news of the week was the Federal Reserve. They did not raise rates uh, in their meeting on Wednesday, and so the, the market got what it was expecting. Uh, but what sort of rattled the market was the Fed's speech afterwards. He came in surprisingly hawkish. Again, uh, remember hawkish is um, you know trying to be hardlined on inflation, trying to kill inflation. Uh, dovish is softening you know his rhetoric and trying to maybe ease ease back on the economy. But he was very hawkish, reiterating his stance that he had no intention of raising the target on inflation, uh, even though most admit now that there's no way we'll ever get down to 2% again unless we go into a recession. I think we're going to have to get used to the idea that we're at a 3 to 4% floor uh, for good. And um, but that, um, you know, the only way we're going to get below that is, is if we go into a recession. Uh, he reiterated his call for higher for longer. So no real change uh, necessarily in his, quote, commitment to get inflation under control. Uh, but it was, it was such a hardline speech that it seemed to rattle the market a little bit. Uh, so U.S. interest rates rallied uh, the day later. Uh, we made new highs in the uh, 10 year. We made new highs in the 30 year fixed. Uh, so now at, at seven and three quarters, we're at the highest level on 30 year mortgages since 2007. That allowed the U.S. dollar to rally. And on Thursday, Friday, and for the good part of this week, led to pretty heavy selling of commodities. 
And so that macro trade uh, related to the Fed and the dollar and interest rates was probably the key feature of our grain complex and even cotton this week as managed money lightened the load quite aggressively on their positions in grains. For the fourth variable that we're going to track on the macro level, crude oil, we've been talking about it for a while, but it has now become front and center as a very, very important variable in relation to our industry. OPEC has now announced that they believe there will be a 3 million barrel per day shortfall in the fourth quarter. That reiterates the idea of a price call of at least $100 a barrel by the end of the year. Um, There have also been problems with refined oil inventories. And so the combination of crude oil and finished fuels uh, are at five-year low levels uh, versus this time of year. So we're going to definitely, you know, continue this squeeze on crude oil. And my call of seeing that at $100 a barrel by the end of the year maintains, and that will generally be supportive uh, of, of the grain complex over the long run. U.S. yields uh, on grains early on remain highly variable. It's very clear that uh, eastern parts of Illinois, Indiana, and Ohio that got rains are having good yields. Um, the central part of Illinois, okay, uh, right at trend. But then if you go into western Illinois, into Iowa, into Minnesota, into Dakotas, and parts of Nebraska, there are some areas that got rain that are having good yields. But any area that missed rains and, and we're experiencing highly variable yields on corn and, and, and much more variable yields on beans because of that finish, And so I'm going to maintain my yield estimates on corn at 168 and my yield estimates on soybeans at between 46 and 47. Remember the USDA right now is at 173 on corn and at 50.1 on soybeans. So I'm a little bit below the government on corn and quite a bit below on beans as a percentage of the yield. In the corn market this week, we continue to see export uh, data remain relatively soft. Uh, Ethanol demand remains huge as we are experiencing near record margins. The feed component of corn will be gigantic this year. It is the cheapest commodity and there are really no replacements for it in the form of milo or wheat or secondary grains. Um, And so, you know, the the export component is again only about 15% of demand. Ethanol and feed are about the other 80% demand. So I I expect very, very strong domestic demand for corn. The question is, what is the yield? And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, of course, skeptical of the USDA data and will be until that January report. Funds have meanwhile built out a massive short position, so they clearly believe the USDA yield number uh, and the data. And so, you know, that's going to be the catalyst that... Uh, eventually will have to get flushed out will be the fun short seasonals for corn say that we uh, typically the five-year seasonal pattern says we make our lows in early September for corn but the 10-year pattern says we will make our lows in corn next week so it looks like we're tracking hopefully a lot closer to the 10-year pattern and we will carve out a low for corn for the year sometime next week for soybeans exports remain okay China was in for a couple of uh, purchases during the week. We're still running a little bit behind uh, the USDA estimates, um, but uh, I expect that to improve as uh, Argentina's crush continues to slow and as uh, the 
uh, worry the weather concerns coming out of Brazil continue to lay in the background. I think that will force China into the market. And then I also think these uh, record low yields, I think China's laying low on, on the yield estimates to get to, too aggressive on U.S. purchases. But if yield data continues to come in uh, lower than expected, I think that will force China's hand back into the U.S. market. U.S. crush margins remain very, very high. $2.20, $2.30 is where we ended the week nationally. Some areas still experiencing closer to $3 crush margins. And so, uh, you know, we, we're, we're going to see extraordinary crush demand. We do have several new plants coming online. And so, you know, that, that component of it will remain very, very strong. Uh, the river is quite low, the Mississippi River, where we're loading for export. That has hurt uh, bids uh, for basis levels along the river. And so we've, you know, experienced a time of year where we do have farmers selling. Farmers will, are, will be likely to sell their soybean crop for cash flow and hold their corn. And so it's not too surprising necessarily that soybeans uh, basis have, have weakened here this last couple of weeks uh, with that low river affecting our ability to uh, provide uh, good export uh, liquidity. The seasonals for soybeans, uh, similar to corn, show that the 10-year shows that next week will be our lows for the year. Uh, but that the five-year seasonal pattern said that our lows typically come in in early August, and that, of course, has not happened. So hopefully we're following the 10-year seasonal on beans as well, and that we carve out our lows for the year next week. Funds uh, have liquidated a, a huge portion of their positions, and so they don't have a very much length. And I think, as I, I still believe, the yield is going to be quite a bit smaller than the USDA. Not going to be able to verify that till after the first of the year. There's still some serious volatility in this market going forward with a, 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 a tight stocks-to-use ratio and a yield that could slip well under 50 bushels. For cotton, the market, we are experiencing very poor export sales. Um, that has been the main thesis of why we can't break out in this $80 to $90 range. But behind the scenes, we continue to uh, see the crop deteriorate. The government hit us again with a 1 million bale drop in their last report from 14 to 13 million bales. But uh, as these abandonment numbers continue to climb in West Texas, remember the government's at 40 at 22% abandonment this year versus 47% last year. If we just uh, hit right down the middle um, in, in the low 30s, low to mid 30s, uh, this abandoned this this could take the crop down to 12 million bales there still might be another 1 million bale hit on the production if for some reason the abandonment climbs to say 40 percent which would still be under last year it would make sense that you know with the rains in west texas that we got early we won't have an equal abandonment but it might, it might get relatively close 40 percent abandonment and you might be talking about 11 million bale crop so at this point, the, the cotton production side is just so far up in the air, and I know the market remains focused on demand because they just don't know the supply side. I know the market remains nervous about the Fed and their, uh, again, uh, verbal bashing of their commitment of, to fight inflation, um, but uh, cotton seems squarely stuck in an 80 to 90 cent range. We'll talk more about the price implications here in just a second. Uh, it's interesting to note that soybean oil here has recently flipped from now uh, the, the bulk of U.S. soybean oil demand used to always be for food uh, and, and food use and is now uh, for refining for renewable diesel. 
And so that percentage just flipped over and is expected to accelerate uh, to extraordinary levels over the next two to three years where we may end up completely overwhelming the soybean oil market with fuel demand and be forced to satisfy our food demand with other oils, canola, suns, and, and coconut oil uh, coming from third world countries. That That's how much the uh, demand for soybean oil for the renewable diesel market is going to be. It is going to completely overwhelm the balance sheet. What's interesting about that development is that'll force soybean oil to be tied much more closer to crude oil and finished refined products like diesel. So that correlation will continue to get stronger and stronger over the next few years. Um, and so soybean oil leads to crush values, which leads to soybean values. That's, of course, the main ingredient that goes in to a crush plant. And so what you're going to see over the next year or two is the correlation between crude oil and soybeans uh, tighten to uh, very, very close correlations. And since I remain quite bullish soybean uh, crude oil over the next six to nine months, even next year, uh, I expect uh, soybeans to find a base here quite quickly, the market to readjust their view on what they think soybean oil is worth and, and consequently soybeans. But you know, over the next few years, that correlation is going to strengthen by quite a bit. We're also watching Argentina's crush. Remember, they had that collapse of their crop. They were supposed to make 50 million metric tons. They made 20. Uh, their crush is completely collapsing now. They're running at 30% of capacity. And the estimate by the market is that they will be down to 10% capacity in the fourth quarter. Remember, they will not get any new soybeans in Argentina until March. So they will be running at an incredibly low uh, capacity for the last six months of their marketing year. Uh, in an unbelievably stupid move, the government uh, chose to alter the currency uh, to the advantage of the farmer and let them liquidate soybeans. So they ended up selling uh, a ton of soybeans over the last three weeks for the government to get revenue in. And, but they've essentially run their own crushing industry out of soybeans. Of course, this is just a, a robbing Peter to pay Paul for the government, um, but it will come to the U.S.'s advantage starting in October all the way through March where we will dominate the global crush market and not just the domestic value for soybean oil. Um, you know, I'll, I'll summarize <clears throat> my view of the whole market with the idea that, you know, we, we're sitting at pipeline inventories, uh, uh, stocks, you know, tight stocks to use ratios on soybeans, on cotton, and so, you know, it's, it's uh, silly to get too excited about any price action here over the next month or two or even three until we can nail down these yields because, of course, any production hiccup leads to big, big tightening of, of demand at some point and most likely that has to come out of export demand because domestic use remains so strong. Corn does have quite a bit of a bigger buffer in it at a 2 billion bushel carryout. We need to move the needle by five, 600 million bushels in order to get that balance sheet on its own for its own volatility. Uh, you know, a four or five bushel yield loss would only be about, you know, uh, four, three, 400 million bushels of that. We're still going to need to see some demand increase. Um, so corn will be ultimately pulled up by the other commodities. Uh, but we're going to need to see some improvement in demand here, uh, and I think we will going into the fourth quarter uh, of this year. The wheat market, uh, we've seen uh, you know, just an incredibly stagnant market. 
with uh, you know U.S. inventories sitting at record low levels, global inventories sitting at record low levels, but Russia still having plenty of wheat to pump onto the market. That's gotten the market, you know, since the volatility in the Ukraine war has left the market, funds have uh, very comfortably built out a just a gigantic short position in the wheat market. And their risk is dual purpose. It is it is a uh, ultimate tightening of the balance sheet and a geopolitical risk. If for some reason the Baltics, um, you know, uh, export scene were to see some uh, a bombing of a ship or getting taken out, these funds would get completely flushed out. But I, I still think wheat, based on its own balance sheets, are is ultimately a dollar or two a bushel undervalued. Um, but if for some reason there's any geopolitical a risk that gets put back into the market. You're talking about something closer to three to four dollar a bushel rally. <clears throat> Excuse me. So in the final analysis, here's what I'm expecting for prices. I'm expecting corn to rally back to 550 by year end. That will be based on year. Uh, that will be based on yield losses and seasonality. For um, I'm looking for corn to rally back closer to the six dollar mark by the uh, end of ne by uh, next year, first quarter of next year, as the real yield gets dialed in and the influence of, of record high uh, crude oil prices filters through into the ethanol market. Soybeans I'm looking for fifteen dollars by the end of the year, uh, as the uh, global crush market continues to come, will be forced to come to the United States and a recognition of the idea that we're going to be below 50 bushels on the uh, national yield. Ultimately, I, I'm looking for the crush to continue to, to skyrocket with that soybean oil correlation to crude oil, and I'm expecting $16 and higher after the first of the year. The wheat market will continue to struggle with funds having a firm lock on this market, keeping Chicago wheat uh, under pressure. But I think by the year end, we can still see 7 to 750 wheat for Chicago and 8 to 850 in Kansas City. But it won't be till after the first of the year when the global macro reinflation trade comes back on that we'll see, I think, Chicago closer to 8 to $9 next year and Kansas City closer to 10 to $11. Cotton, based on its seasonalities, could struggle here for the next 30 days with harvest pressure. But I do think once the crop gets put away, I think it'll be a very quick, very fast harvest. I think we could see 90 to 95 by the end of the year on cotton. And then ultimately, after the year, I'm expecting prices at a dollar or higher as we fully digest the scale of the yield losses in the United States and the idea that uh, cotton is an extraordinarily expensive crop to plant and it'll be very difficult to add acres next year so I think we'll have a big battle for acres next year and I'm looking for cotton to be back above a dollar uh, sometime after the first of the year in the first quarter. Okay those are uh, the updates on the market. I appreciate your time. These are my opinions and not those of ADM or ADMIS. Thank you.